Stay hungry, stay foolish. Our guest today shares how to explore, shape and sell our ideas by teaching us how to write songs. Doing so helps us develop the essential skills of lateral thinking, creativity, communication, empathy, collaboration, risk taking and the diffusion of ideas for better results. It is a pleasure to welcome Grammy recognized number one hit songwriter, author of The Reason for the Rhymes Mastering the Seven Essential Skills of Innovation by Learning to Write Songs, Cliff Goldmacher, welcome to the show. Aidan, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you on the show, Cliff, and great news for our listeners today and viewers that Cliff has kindly offered a spare copy of his book here behind me that's up for grabs. Just sign up to the innovationshow.io newsletter, follow us on LinkedIn, and you can be in a win in, with a chance to win a copy of that book. Cliff, let's start with the story. The story of the warden. Great. So thank you for having me, Aiden. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So when I teach my songwriting workshops to business teams, I don't necessarily know much about the makeup of the teams in advance. I usually have a facilitator who brings me in. And I was standing outside of the, of the meeting room. And the last thing the facilitator says to me before I walk into the room is, by the way, this group, and this was a Fortune 500 company, this group is interesting because the head of the group was a former prison warden and everybody is a little bit scared of him and they kind of all do what he wants them to do. Good luck. So then I walk into the room <laughs> and I lead them through the beginning of my workshop and my songwriting exercise. And the entire time, the warden is just, I call him the warden. <laughs> Just stone-faced. I'm not getting any sense that I'm making any connection. And let's be honest, bringing songwriting into the workplace requires a certain amount of being relaxed and being willing to try something new. And I was very concerned that I was not going to get this person to take any chances at all. And since everybody sort of followed what he wanted, I kind of thought I was in big trouble. So we begin the exercise we start to work on writing a song. And one of the things that I do in the exercise towards the end is I ask my participants, okay, now that we've written a verse and a chorus of a song based on your idea, what genre of the song do you think this would be? Is this a, is this a country song? Is it jazz? And out of nowhere, the warden says, well, I'm a big fan of the Scorpions. So 80s heavy metal, which already was surprising enough because I didn't get the impression he was really participating at all. We put the song to that kind of music and he went nuts. He was singing. <laughs> Everybody had a ball. I, I think what it showed me is that the power of music to get people to step outside of their comfort zone and explore things differently is never more evident than when you bring it into an unlikely location like the office and get people to do something different and think about their ideas differently. So that's my story of the warden. <laughs> the, the warden. It's funny because that, that, that person who's often a blocker, when you can turn them around, they become an advocate and they change the entire organization. And oftentimes... 
it's like you say, you're just not speaking their language or in your case, speaking their music or right. connecting them with, with uh, on that level. Most of us know the Scorpions, by the way, from that Winds of Change song. It was the love ballad, not the heavy heavy metal side. But let's get into it because I, I, I'd love to share your definition of creativity because we hear so many definitions of creativity on the show. But from an artist's perspective, it must be very different because you've spent your entire life navigating a career from a micro level of songwriting and then a macro level of navigating the music industry. So for me, creativity at its essence, and I believe that everyone is innately creative. I think of creativity as getting out of your own way. So many of us are, as children, naturally creative because we're not told that we're not. But the older that we get and the more we focus on productivity, creativity is sort of a distraction or, or unnecessary or inessential. And so I think of creativity as trusting your instincts, getting out of your own way, and not self-censoring. So when you can tap into your own, what I consider to be an innate sense of, of being a human, of being creative, then, then really anything is possible. You reminded me there of a Pablo Picasso quote that I absolutely love, that every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up, because life beats it out of us. You know, people think you're acting childish, but we need to embrace that inner child and keep it alive. But I wanted to come to something that really connected with me that you said. You said, when it comes to songwriting, you said it's about taking what's important to you and translate it into a medium that would connect with other people on a deep emotional level. And I thought to myself, well, that's what leadership is. And that's what storytelling is. It's so important to be able to sell people a vision. And I don't mean sell them in a negative sense. I mean, just transmit that message to them to get them to, to rally around that vision and that story. That's exactly right. I think that in any medium, if you can distill your message into something that is not only clear, but compelling, and if it's emotional to you, it will be emotional to your audience, whomever that audience might be. So songwriting is my way in to showing people, this is how you tell a story. This is how you refine your message. This is how you embed emotion into an otherwise, and let's let's be honest, the business world isn't known for the most colorful metaphors, right? So my job is to embed some of that color and emotion into your message, because that's what makes us all human, and that's what connects people to a message. Brilliant. And you quoted Peter Drucker in the book, which was great to see from in a, in a book about songwriting. And you said, above all, innovation is work rather than genius. It reminded me of Edison as well, that 99% perspiration, 1% insp inspiration, because you almost have to fail your way to success. But you say in a similar vein, songwriting is simply a matter of giving already intelligent people the tools they need to enhance their innovation skill set. That reminded me of the warden, but also a great friend of the show and a great person, Hawk, the founder of Visa, who we've done a seven part series on. He said, he taught me this word, educe, E-D-U-C-E, which is the root of the word education. And what it, what it means is to draw out what somebody has already inside them, that most people have the answers, most people have the creativity, it just needs to be drawn out of them. When I started doing my songwriting workshops for business teams, and this was about five years ago, I remember sitting with the, the initial team, the organizers, and they were saying, well, look, 
if maybe one of the groups writes a song, that's great. We won't worry about everybody writing a song. So there was already this sort of fear or concern that there's no way people will be able to write songs. That's a magic trick as far as most people in the business world are concerned. But my method is simply to break it down into the pieces that anybody already understands because that's all that's all songwriting is like any art. It's about understanding the craft and then infusing it with the right amount of inspiration. So my job as a as a workshop leader is to break it down into pieces that any audience would understand and then show them that once they understand that and if these are smart people and they are they'll be able to put songs together too. And it's my favorite thing and and I mentioned this in the book is without exception and I've been doing this now for 5 years every team writes a song every time. It's simply a matter of giving them the tools and that's that's what I do. And stay tuned because there's a song coming up, isn't there, Cliff? There's a Cliff, song there coming. Is. An innovation song is coming between us. But uh, before we go there and, and torture the poor souls listening and watching the show, let's share the significant parallels between business and songwriting that you share. So we'll get into the seven skills that you teach. But one of the ones I loved was the balance between emotion and the story. And you talked about this on your TED talk as well. Yes. So songwriting, business. We come at this from different angles. For songwriting, almost everything that we do when we lack a certain amount of understanding of the craft comes from emotion. There's not a lot of skill in it yet. It's to be kind of blunt. It's like just writing a song where you say I love you, I love you, I love you over and over again. Lots of emotion, not a whole lot of story there. On the business I don't steal that. That's, that's my song. song. <laughs> that's my song, Cliff. <laughs> it's, it's all yours. I've that patented. <laughs> I uh, I will tell you I wrote a song years ago with a friend of mine and the title was What Can I Rhyme with Love Today? <laughs> Every song <laughs> is a love song on some level. On the business side, the problem is that there's a certain amount of fear, so it's all details and there's a fear of adding any emotion to it. If you don't have a mixture of both, the idea is just not compelling. So by balancing emotion and balancing story, you've got something that that people will connect with on a fundamental human level. We talked about metaphor and we talked about the boring the boring aspect of business speak and you take you you talk about the importance of taking a fresh ang- angle at a familiar topic and really that's what songwriting is. It's building on this idea of the balance between emotion and story, but actually make it more interesting. Right. In songwriting, as I was joking, and and this is actually something that that came up in a real co-write, I had a a collaborator sit down with me once in a writing session, and he said, so, are we going to write another song about love and people? All songs are essentially about love and people. So the trick is, how how do you write a song like that and make it feel new? And it's the same thing in business. There are certain business concepts that are universal. But how do you express them in a way that doesn't feel like just another cliche so that people really connect with it? So it's all about thinking about how you take the familiar but present it in a way that that captures people's imagination. And next you talked about something that's unfortunately really cropped up in this COVID pandemic and has always had undertones throughout the business world all the time. And I I call it being authentically authentic. So people talk about authenticity. 
and there's espoused values of the company and you know the mission statements on the wall but the behaviors in the hall actually trump the mission statement on the wall right and you talk about the importance of writing from what you know and being sincere and i think this is more important than ever before because people who are have have shown leadership during the good times will now be really tested when things get a bit challenging that's exactly right so for me with songwriting there is a tendency early on in your songwriting career to write what you think people want to hear it never rings true it doesn't it doesn't connect with a with a fundamental part of our humanity instead the most specific story songs about your own life when you think nobody is going to be able to relate to this is exactly what connects to people so it's the sincerity of the message that makes it universal often the way we put it in songwriting is the more specific your story the more universal the appeal and and being sincere in your presentation of anything whether it's the mission statement of your business or the particular topic of your meeting if people sense that you are sincere if they sense that you mean it they will listen if they sense that you're going through the motions you've lost them before you've even started so that that coming from a place of of real connection and sincerity is critical yeah there's so many even shows like I, I i know myself that when the show like this like i i love this i love reading these books and talking to brilliant people like yourself and learning from you and people can hear that in your voice they know if you're just reading from a script they know the difference i think that's absolutely so important it's the it's the secret ingredient in all these things and it's the same in songwriting it is it is. That's exactly it. People know. On a, they may not be able to tell you why they know. They just know. It's it's part yeah. of what makes us human. We just we can connect with something that feels sincere. On a briefly unrelated note, there's a wonderful music producer named Don Was, who's worked with everyone from the Rolling Stones to Van Morrison. He doesn't define songs as good or bad. He defines them as generous and selfish. A selfish song is, hey, look at me, look at how great I am. And a generous song is written to connect with people and move them. And that's something that people just feel. You, you, don't, you don't have to explain it to them, they'll know. Slightly related to that, there's a very personal story you share in the yes. book, and it's related to the, the concept of commit to the cause. Right. So in business and in songwriting, committing to your cause really getting behind it is the only thing that makes your day-to-day worthwhile. If, if the goal is out there somewhere and you just want the goal and you're willing to sacrifice your day-to-day, well, first of all, no goal is guaranteed. And in the process, you've mortgaged the only thing that you do have any control over, which is your day-to-day experience. And, and my story very specifically is when I was living in New York City, I was put together through a mutual friend at a record company to write with a young artist that they had just signed to what is called in the business a development deal. What a development deal is, is it basically says we, and this was Universal Records, the 800-pound gorilla in the music business, we have decided that we think you have potential, and my friend's name was is Spencer Day. Spencer, we think you have potential. We're not ready to put the money behind a full record for you yet. 
but let's bring you in, have you write with a few people we know, maybe do a couple of exploratory recordings and let's see what happens. So Spencer comes to my studio, we, we've never met. I've listened to a few of his songs, I thought he was talented. And we chatted for about 20 minutes and then over the course of the next three hours or so, we wrote a song. Now, at this point, I've done this 800 times. So nothing about this was particularly new other than I really enjoyed working with Spencer. and. He seemed to like the song, so much so that when Universal Records put together what they call a showcase to show all of the record execs what he'd been up to, he played our song. So I thought, well, we're on our way. Got Universal Records. He's playing the song in the showcase. A couple of days later, I get a call from Spencer, and the call goes something like this. Cliff, I just heard from Universal Records, and they have dropped me. They're not interested my relationship with them is done. And then he said something that really broke my heart. He said, and so I would understand if you don't want to write with me anymore now that I don't have a record company behind me. And my response to Spencer was, listen, that's you don't have to worry about that. It's clear to me that we have good writing chemistry. We will continue to write and we'll just see what happens because that's what's important. Let's just put good songs into the world. Long story short, Spencer decides to pick himself up and release the record on his own, funded himself. But, and this is the, the music industry fairy tale part of the story, in the studio next to his was a record label executive from Concord Jazz, a great established record company who heard some of the work Spencer was doing and said, we have to sign this guy. They signed him to a record deal. They released our song, the one that we wrote 20 minutes after meeting each other as the first single, it stayed on the Billboard charts for 27 weeks and ended up being the number one jazz song of that year. Now, the way that I put this in my presentations is that's not a business plan. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot plan for that. But to me, it shows that it was, it was more than anything confirmation that my heart was in the right place. I was writing songs because I was moved to do it with people with whom I was moved to write. And in the end, that was what it took. Committing to that cause gave me the, the brass ring that I had been looking for without actively making that the final goal for pretty much my whole career. I love that, man. That really resonated with me because the moments, we have those moments in life where there's a challenge thrown in front of you and you either stick to your guns and your, your values or you give in. And every time in my life that I've done that, I th that's how this show came about, by the way, as well. Like I worked in an organization. I set the show up for the organization. They didn't like me doing it then. And they kind of gave me an ultimatum and I left and I started this show and it's just grown into this amazing thing that serves so many people and me in so many ways. Like I get so much out of it from learning and spreading the light of great people all the time. And and I put it down to that, that moment like you. That's why that really, I know it was a personal thing for you, but it really, it, it tugged at my heartstrings away as well because it was a personal thing for me. And I, I just think I'd love to share that to people out there that stick to your guns, you know, have values, write them down, and then don't let anybody trample on them because that is you. You're, you are your values, right? That's exactly right. And, and, you know, given that nothing in this life is ever guaranteed, why not do what moves you? You can't 
you can't know what the ultimate outcome will be. And if I've learned anything in 30 years in the music business, it's that there is no such thing as a straight line from doing one thing and getting a result. It never works that way. Any success that I've had has come in the most roundabout, unusual way. And that's just the way it works. So if that's the case and you can't really control it, and all you can control is being true to yourself, that's as good an argument to being true to yourself as I can imagine. I love that, man. That I mean, in a world, we talk about the world of VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Everything's in flux. You, you don't have to be, though. You can actually be the one thing you can count on. You can be the one thing you can invest in. Like, I'm, I just so much believe in that, that, that you control the controllables, and the controllable is you, your actions. You can't control how other people act. You control how you react, though, or be proactive. But let, let's get into the seven skills. And just to tee this up, the way you construct it is you give the skill. You, you say skill number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven is, and then you go, and the corresponding songwriting component is, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tee them up that way to give everybody a mental model how to how to receive this information. The number one skill you talk about is lateral thinking, and the corresponding songwriting component is the metaphor. When I read this, man, it, it brought loads of things flooding back that I'd totally forgotten about. So I had a, a, a decade of a career as a professional sports player, and during the last few years, I started dabbling with music production, and I was I was only I was doing it to expand my mind. There was no goal, you know, if, if if the song happened to take off or whatever, that was great. But it was all down tempo and chill out stuff. But I used to cut and paste old, really old, I used to find really old movies, like from the 30s and 40s, and take little samples of both the, the dialogue, but also the, you know, if I found a nice little backdrop, I'd, I'd mix them up. And I never thought until I read your book how that serves me today because it serves my writing. I write in metaphors and analogies because, again, I think it's so useful because people connect with that because that's the way our minds work. So that's a long way of teeing up for this idea of lateral thinking. But that's exactly it. You Lateral thinking is all about stepping out of the typical way of problem solving that most business teams use. So if you, if you are always trying to solve your problems the same way, you will always get essentially the same solution. But if you think about your problems differently or your concepts differently, new solutions will present themselves and metaphors are the same. The example I, I like to use is I was working with a, an airline going through this process for them and their overall concept was we need to coordinate disparate teams. It's not a particularly inspiring concept. I understand the need for it, but it's not particularly. Yay. Yay. Let's get behind that. <laughs> exactly. So what we did is we wrote a song where the metaphor was geese flying south for the winter because using the metaphor of the geese who need each other to survive makes that idea of coordinating your teams much more emotional and much more real. And if you'd like, I happen to have my guitar here. I can play Go you. Go for it, man. Pull it out. So what were the chances? You never know when a person's going to bring a guitar. <laughs> well, to well, a, uh, well, you happen to, to be in your studio, man. It'd be rude right. not, so, to, not to. So this is, uh, this is a song I wrote with the airline executives about coordinating disparate teams. And it's called, If You've Got My Front, I've Got Your Back. Unless you're the first bird flying south 
the view won't ever change but heading away from the winter gray is more than just a game it's part of our survival it's what we're meant to do and you know you Count on me like I can count on you If you've got my front, I've got your back I may not know what's coming But I'm sure we're right on track And you don't have to turn around I'll take good care of that Cause baby, if you've got my front You know I've got your back Hell yeah, man! There you go! So... Nice one. Thank you. So for us, that was just a way to make this dry concept, this dry problem, coordinating disparate teams through metaphor into something that people really cared about. And it, it, was, a, it was fun to do, for sure. So that's, that's lateral thinking and metaphor. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. So needless to say, this is one you have on book. It's skill number two. It's creativity. And the songwriting component's interesting because it's the verse and... What you say here is writing verses is essentially concentrated storytelling, which is kind of what we all need to do. We live in this fast-paced world where people don't want to know the, they don't want to see the entire paper. They want to see the executive summary. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and especially because songs are essentially postcards. They're not books. They're not, they're not short stories. They're not even articles. It's a couple of lines, a pretty picture on the other side, and you're done. So a verse is a very, very concentrated form of telling a story. And the best way to tell a story is through imagery. So in, in this particular song that I just played for you, there are geese. There's the idea that you're, if you're not the first goose in line, you know, the view is always the same. It's the gooses behind in front of you. Long story short, <laughs> by using these images, it immediately gets people into the story instead of instead of just kind of swimming around in, in trying to coordinate all of this information, pictures. So creativity, especially in, in verse writing, is all about concentrated storytelling through imagery, and it gets people right into your story right away. Beautiful. I'm just thinking there, people are like, oh, no, I'm not going behind Aiden if he's flying. I don't want to be in his <laughs> downstream, downwind from Aiden. <laughs> so innovation skill number three is a huge one. It's communication. And as every entrepreneur, entrepreneur, corporate change maker knows, trying to sell your idea to connect to the other person is absolutely essential. Because if you cannot connect, if you cannot communicate effectively, it's just going to die on the vine. And the songwriting component here is the chorus. Right. So in songwriting, the chorus is designed for people to remember and be able to sing back almost immediately. Even before, and I know this sounds a little counterintuitive, even before they really understand what it is they're saying, if a chorus is well-written, they're already singing it because it should be a very, very clear somewhat repetitive in a good way, distillation of the idea. The way I like to describe chorus writing is you take the message of your song, you tie it to the end of a bat, and you beat the hell out of people with it. <laughs> that, that's what a chorus is designed to do. So if your verse is the story, the chorus is why do they care? Why should people care about the story you just told them? You summarize your story in your chorus, in the same way that when you're communicating a message about a, a product 
or a process or a service, why should people care? If you can tell them why they should care in a succinct, interesting way, you've got them. Yeah, I thought about that one because oftentimes a lot of leaders I work with, executive coaching, they, they, they feel they're talking too much or they're telling the story too much of the business. And I'm going, you never do because there's always a disconnect between what you think you're, how much you're telling the story and then the lower echelons of the business. People don't hear it enough because you may be saying it in, on the executive floor and the executive suite, but you're not saying it throughout the company. And there's a term ad nauseum, which means uh, until you feel sick. So you say it until you're sick in the face, because as you say here with the course, you want to drill it into people's heads. And, and you have to do it in as much as you can. It has to be done artfully because repetition is a, is a double-edged sword. Repetition on time uh, at times can be very uh, exhausting, but if it's done properly, it can be very, very effective. And the next skill then is uh, empathy. And this one, you made me think really here, this one's great because oftentimes we we may tell a story, but we, we, we're... We're telling it from our side of the bridge. We're not connecting to the other side of, of the bridge. And I was looking in the back there for a book where there's brilliant guests on the show, a guy called Richard Fagerlin, and his book is called Trustology. And he talks about this concept that message sent must equal message received, because oftentimes we think the other person got the message, but they didn't across. They didn't at all. And here you talk about the importance of empathy and the equivalent songwriting component being observation. As songwriters, we are effectively on the outskirts of society, observing and trying to understand what it is that we see. So in observing, we start to make other people's feelings and behavior critical to our understanding of our world. In the same way with innovation, if you don't understand how your idea or your product is going to be received by your prospective audience, you're lost. So by learning to observe, by learning to write songs about what it is we see, we are naturally building up our ability to empathize. Then number five is, um, I have to say, I've done this wrong where you, when you're, when you're working in a large organization trying to change the mindset, you don't want to hear the disconfirming evidence. So for example, if you want to push an innovation through and people are resisting it, you'll try and go around them and it always comes back and bites in the ass. And because if they're not on board with you, they're not going to collaborate with you. And that is skill number five is the importance of collaboration. And the songwriting component here is co-writing, which is something you're highly skilled at. That is my day job. So for me, the more that I collaborated on songs, the more that I co-wrote, the more I understood, and I'm somewhat in, by, uh, uh, in the um, interest of full disclosure, I'm a bit of a control freak. So when I first started writing songs, I was um, in a situation where I thought I had to do all of it. And what I describe as my first couple co-writing efforts were me writing a song near someone, which is no good. Because when I started to have genuinely effective co-writing appointments, it was when I was paired with people who were strong, where I was weak, and vice versa. And then all of a sudden, we were ending up with these songs that were better than either one of us could have created alone. And once that light bulb turned on, once I started to really understand that 
when I align myself with people who enhance not only what I do through their strengths, but that I can help them through mine, then everything became clear. And collaboration, especially for innovation, is, to your exact point, not just about getting teams to work well together. It's about getting silos within a company to work together and to get on board. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of importance in getting internal collaboration in order to get an innovation to, to move forward. For you, that must be intriguing when you don't work in, in a large organization like that and you kind of look and you're kind of going, why aren't you guys working together? I, I had that when I joined from sport because in general, most people in sports play as a team if you're playing a team sport. And when I went into the corporate world, I was flabbergasted by, you know, if you if you uh, taken your geese song, if I was flying behind somebody in the geese, they'd be like releasing uh, all kinds of uh, <laughs> all kinds of uh, stuff on me to try and get me and blind me and get me to crash and burst into flames on a mountain or something. It, it was it's sometimes executives are more they see their colleagues as more competitors than the competitor outside the business. And that, to me, feels entirely self-destructive. You know, what I've found is that I have a very clear role to play when I work with business teams, and it is to show the upside of things like collaboration, which can be daunting for people, especially when, you know, there are a couple of things I learned once I started working with businesses. And one is there is a, a tremendous fear of appearing foolish or ridiculous to your peers. So to your exact point, you know, if everybody is sort of watching out for themselves to make sure that they don't stumble in any way, then I think the overall project suffers. But if everybody is willing to suspend their disbelief for a little bit and collaborate, what I have found is that by the end of the workshop, everybody is not only very pleased with the result, but they're energized and motivated by it because they've done something that may be a little counterintuitive, which is to work together for the greater good as opposed to just thinking of how you might individually look in the process. Isn't that, it's just crazy, man. I, I, I found it so counterintuitive and, and so surprising that, that that was the case. I just couldn't understand that. And, and if you were... Uh, if you were a team motivated person, they would greet you with suspicion rather than with the open arms. It was like kind of going, what, what do they want? You know, what does he want from me, etc. It's just a flabbergast. It's why I do what I do. Same like you try to influence the mind some way and try and change mindsets. But we'll keep moving on to uh, innovation skill number six, which we have so many corporate entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs and change makers listen to the show. And they will know this skill so much which is risk taking and what that requires then is vulnerability and i grabbed a quote here cliff that says it's bertrand russell and he said collective fear stimulates herd instinct and tends to produce ferocity towards those who are not regarded as members of the herd so essentially you got to fall in line and if you don't fall in line you're treated a little bit with suspicion you're ostracized you're 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 actually just um an outsider in so many ways and here we need to embrace that vulnerability and risk taking i think especially with innovation which is typically innovation is about taking a process which is already working and generating income and changing it that's a risk but without doing that the danger is that whatever process may be working today may not be working tomorrow and by then it's too late so there has to be a willingness 
to take a certain amount of risk. And for me, getting executives, as I mentioned earlier, to step out of their comfort zone and do something that they are not comfortable with. And, and this can go up to, the, to the, the C-suite offices. I've worked with people who are used to being in complete control all the time. And then I've given them a new skill that they have to learn and they have to be willing to make themselves vulnerable. But in doing that, and I like to describe my, my songwriting workshops as a psychologically safe environment, by doing it in that environment, you realize, you know what, a little risk-taking can go a long way. And so by being willing to make yourself vulnerable by doing something that you, you're not an expert in, you are willing to then take risks in other areas. And, you know, for me, um, getting executives to do something that they are scared of also creates what I like to call a certain amount of flow. Because it's amazing how when you're scared, how everything else falls away. You're not paying attention to your phone anymore. You're not paying attention to anything other than the job at hand, which helps people really focus on the songwriting exercise as we're doing it. And I love it for that. I like, as a matter of fact, when I am brought in, I do not like to be introduced in advance as someone who's going to help them write a song. I just like to be introduced as somebody who's going to work with your team on such and such an issue, period. So they don't know they're going to write a song until I get up on stage with my guitar. And I love seeing the faces. They're scared. And, and that means I've got them. It means they're paying attention, and, and that's what I want. I picked out from my library here, uh, this is Everett Rogers' Diffusion of Innovations, one of my favorite books from the 60s. And he nails it absolutely time and time again that how, how because originally his work was language and how language changes and how we change mindsets then. But you identify this as a core concept, number skill number seven, which you call diffusion. And... I'd love if you'd share your concept of it from a songwriting perspective. Well, it's very simple from a songwriting perspective. Songs are written to be performed. A song that isn't performed is like an innovation that never sees the light of day. It could be a wonderful innovation. It could be a great song. But if nobody hears it, it's the classic tree falling in the forest, right? So the whole idea, by learning to not only write a song, but then to get up in front of a group and perform the song, reinforces this idea that a song isn't effective in the best possible way until it reaches a broader audience. And that is, if nothing else, a very clear reminder that innovation works best when it reaches a broad audience. So that's where the performance aspect of songwriting connects to diffusion. This is like you being a number one, uh, number one spot uh, art, uh, songwriter. So with that in mind, are we going to do it? Are we going to do this? We absolutely have to. Okay, man, because I, I actually, and by the way, this is not rehearsed. This is the first time we've met. Yep. We've been planning it for a while. Um, you know, I've only just finished the book. It was, and it's it's a lovely, it's a really nice read, nice compact book. You did a great job Thank you using all your creativity to make it. And I'm so happy to have a copy to, uh, to share with somebody out there as well. So Cliff, I'm going to just follow your lead, man. You tell me what you need. Wonderful. So here's what I thought we would do. Why don't we take... This is the innovation show after all. Why don't we take the concept of innovation and find a metaphor for it. I'll write the first line of the verse and then you and I will work through the next couple lines of the verse. We'll just write a verse today. We'll just kind of whet your audience's appetite. So, <laughs> well, we, you, I won't torture them that much. Let's put it that way. Okay? <laughs> all right. So if innovation is the concept and the way that I describe finding metaphors is you take this idea and you say, innovation is like 
blank. So what is a what is a a more juicy emotional way of describing innovation? And I'll give you an example. I did a workshop with a group where the concept was innovation, and they ended up writing a song about. Do you know what a labradoodle is? Oh, it's how it's a mix of a Labrador and a, a poodle. That's exactly right. So their their idea was innovation is about creating a new species of dog. That was their metaphor. Was the labradoodle. But innovation okay. can be anything. So if innovation is looking for new ideas, a metaphor could be, I'll, I'll just throw out a couple and I'll wait for you to, to think if any come to you. It could be an Arctic explorer looking for part of the world that has never been seen before. That could be a metaphor for innovation. So Arctic exploration okay. could be a metaphor. I love, I love that. Actually, I can, I can connect with that. Um, Steve Blank, Alex Osterwald, these great guests I've had on the show. They talked about the importance of exploration while management of the business as it is today is exploitation. Mm -hmm. Innovation is exploration of the future. There you go. Shall we stick with that metaphor then of Arctic let's, exploration? Let's do that, man. That sounds good. And by the way, if anybody wants to tune out now, don't forget to sign up to the innovation.show.io newsletter for a chance to win this, just in case anybody goes, I'm not listening to those guys sing. But uh, Cliff, if anybody is tuning out now, it's been a pleasure having you. Likewise. Let's, let's do this. Let's do the workshop. And I have every confidence that people are going to stick around to see how a song gets written. So if the metaphor <laughs> I is, I don't. I don't. is Arctic exploration, let's think about uh, some details in a verse that might make this interesting for people. So I'll start with the first line and I'll just off the top of my head. What if it were something like, it's 40 below and the sky is, is white, right? So. And do I have to then, then rhyme with that or sure. I have to? Yeah. So what's a good rhyme for white? Well, well nice. nice. Um, Perfect. So, so 40, 40 below, below, the sky is, the, 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 the sky, sky is white. white. Uh-huh. Um, you just hit it. You need to explore, to explore before it becomes nice. nice. That's great. That's great. So we need to explore before, nice internal rhyme, explore before it turns night. All right. So now we've got this idea. We've created a scene, right? We've got, it's, it's very cold. You can barely see and you need to explore before. Not only is it cold and, and white, but it's dark. Okay. And, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit further and say what that is a metaphor for night and the coldness is the top of your S curve. So it's when the business starts to peak and start to decline. And what we're trying to do is explore and, and discover the future. All right. You're getting me into it. Now, I love man. it. So, so the next line can be anything related to Arctic, Arctic exploration that furthers this story. So what might that be? Where do we want to go from here? And at this okay. point, we can create any new line because we're going to rhyme the next line with whatever you... Okay, so here, here's another concept, and, and I'm just going to bring these brilliant authors that we've had on the show into it. D-Hawk, again, guy I love, he, he gave me this other concept of the difference between an odyssey and a journey. A journey has a destination, while an odyssey is about the journey. It's not got a destination. So I use that then as a metaphor for say, well, actually, that's life. It's an odyssey. But so is perpetual becoming and perpetual innovation because you can't rest on the laurels once you have 
discovered an innovation, you have to keep perpetually innovating, which is an odyssey. It's perfect. And I have written our third line based on what you've said, which is we're on a journey, but there's nowhere to go. And I have set you up with the perfect rhyme. You know what rhymes with go and has to do with Arctic exploration. So how do we do this and rhyme it with you know what word? Um, <laughs> so it's, what, say your line again. We're on a journey, but there's nowhere to go. If we don't explore, we'll end up face down in the snow. I love face down in the snow. Now, we said explore before, but what if we say oh, right, okay. if we don't keep going? Yeah. I love face down in the snow. We'll, and, all right, this is great. All right, I'm going to read this back to you. Bravo, Aiden. It's 40 below and the sky is white. We need to explore before it turns night. We're on a journey, but there's nowhere to go. If we don't keep going, we'll end up face down in the snow. Now, that's an interesting story. Like, I want to know what happens. So, nice. most importantly, what style of song is this? Is it, is it country? Is it jazz? Is it blues? What are we talking about here? Let's do it in your style, man. Let's do it in your style. Well, so for me, something like this feels a little bit like a blues song, right? Oh, yeah, do a blues, man. John Lee Hooker style. Right. It's 40 below, and the sky is white. We need to explore before it turns night. We're on a journey, and there's nowhere to go. And if we don't keep going, we'll end up face down in the snow. There you go. And that's how you do that, Aiden. Nice, brother. I tell you what, man, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap it up, and I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, let's do a promo for the show that I'll share on LinkedIn because uh, we'll do a 30 second promo. We'll do that. We'll do that afterwards and I'll share it on LinkedIn and we'll do that as a promo to promote the show. But we'll wrap up for now. So absolute pleasure, man. Uh, it's been really, really good. Is there anything you want to share that I haven't asked you or let's share where to find you, where to find your corporate workshops, etc. Wonderful. And thank you, Aiden. This was really fun. <laughs> the reason for the rhymes dot com is where everything is. Keep it nice and simple. The reason for the rhymes.com. Cliff Goldmarker, author of The Reason for the Rhymes, Mastering the Seven Essential Skills of Innovation by Learning to Write Songs. And anybody can do it. I can testify <laughs> for that. It's been an absolute pleasure. Don't forget, sign up to the innovationshow.io newsletter. Subcri subscribe to us now on YouTube as well. We're trying to pump some energy into YouTube to get that going as well, to have these brilliant guests every week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cliff Goldmarker, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Aiden. Thank you, man.